I like the Enneagram and I think it's different than other assessments in that it doesn't just tell you what you do, it tells you why you do it. And I think when you want to see heart change, you have to know why you do something. You have to know what's driving you and really address that. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today, we're catching up with Gina Butz. Gina leads a leadership development program within CREW called LEAF, which stands for Leadership Evaluation and Formation. Since 2005, she has sensed God awakening her soul in a new way, and her deepest passion is that the rest of us be encouraged to be awake as well. She lives in Orlando with her husband and two children. Gina, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sam. I'm glad to be here. So I recently became your friend on Instagram, and one of the first (laughs) photos I saw was a picture of, I think it was your kids, dressed up as Max and Billy from season two of Stranger Things. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It was one of my my proudest parenting moments was that that was what they wanted to be for multiples day when you have to dress up with someone else to be characters from somewhere. And they just, people have always told Megan that she looks like, like Max. So they thought it would be perfect. And our son actually wanted to go all out. So we got the mullet wig and he actually like made a little fake cigarette box and a fake cigarette to <laughs> make it really authentic. It's and they perfect. won first place. So that was oh, really fun. I bet they did. <laughs> Are they in high school together? Yes. Our son is a senior and our daughter's a sophomore. Fun. Oh my gosh. It's perfect. Gina, can you tell us more about LEAF? I can. LEAF is a program that started in Dallas Theological Seminary as LEAD, uh, Leadership Evaluation and Development. And we changed it into LEAF, so it's a little bit different and more of a peer coaching um, experience. But basically what it is is a week-long coaching intensive that we do as senior staff development. Uh, it's It's a very intense uh, week, but it's also very transformational. So we um, invite participants and find coaches and uh, there's a different coaching team usually every time, although it's from a a pool of coaches that we have. Um, Yeah, it's been really good. My husband and I attended when we were uh, living in Singapore 2005 and it just was an absolute turning point for us. So Gina... It was about 10 years ago on the Crew Lake Tahoe Summer Mission that a staff friend of mine, Jennifer Morser, asked us all to take a test called the Enneagram. (laughs) And today I see Enneagram popping up everywhere. So can you tell us more about what the Enneagram is and why it's so popular right now, especially with Christians? Actually, the LEAF program was something that actually, that was how I became familiar with the Enneagram when I became a coach myself. Yeah, it's funny that you say that you were introduced to it 10 years ago because I was as well. And I felt like for the longest time, no one knew about it. And it was so sad because it was so helpful for me. And I wanted to talk to people about it and nobody did. And now it's like everyone showed up to my party. And it's so great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but the Enneagram is a personality typing system. Uh, based on the idea that you're one of nine core numbers. And of course, there's variation within the numbers, but um, you have one core type. And I like the Enneagram, and I think it's different than other assessments in that it doesn't just tell you what you do, it tells you why you do it. 
And I think when you want to see heart change, you have to know why you do something. You have to know what's driving you and really address that. Uh, The other thing I think is helpful about the Enneagram is that it doesn't just tell you where you are. It's not a static assessment. It tells you where you are right now, but it also shows you where you could be and what growth could look like, what redemption can look like. So that's why I think it's really helpful. Some say that our Myers-Briggs temperament is the room we stay in. The strengths finder is the way we decorate our room. (laughs) But the Enneagram is the type of home we build because it's Mm. dynamic and it's constantly in motion. What do you think about that description? That is interesting. Um, What comes to mind for me is that What's been helpful for me about the Enneagram is helping me see the kind of house that I did build for myself growing up and the strategies that I developed to make life work and how, you know, if you build a house as a kid, it's not a very good house, (laughs) right? You know, you need to build with something stronger and more sustainable. And I think the Enneagram has helped me see... um, what does it really look like? What does God really want me to have my house look like? And what does it look like to build a house with his foundation? So, um, but it is a process. And I, that's where I agree with what you just said, that that there's a certain house that we're always going to live in. I'm never going to be a different type, but my house can evolve and become a, a greater place of rest in the Lord and a greater place of freedom. I don't, I don't feel like it's, I'm confined to that house. You know, I can be a little more expansive in my, in my behavior as I become more self-aware. So I think that's how the Enneagram is helpful. So would you say that's how it became a part of your own journey of faith? I have this sort of love-hate relationship with assessments because I'm always interested in them. I like to know about myself. But then I always feel like, no, I feel like you didn't quite capture me. I don't, you know, so I was curious but skeptical. And um, yeah, it took me some time to figure out what type I was. And um, in the process of, of my leaf uh, journey, uh, a lot of that was really recognizing my false self and my true self in Christ and what does that look like. So I think the Enneagram has been helpful in identifying what does my false self look like? What are the things that I am sort of driven to do? Um, What's my root passion? And then what does God really, how does he really intend for me to live? Does that answer your question? It does. I liked what you were saying about the false self and the true self. Yeah. I just read that book, Self to Lose, Self to Gain. Oh, love it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems she used similar language Mm -hmm. Just the passage in Ephesians that talks about putting off the old self and putting off the new self. And it was the first time I read something that used the Enneagram as a practical way to help us as individuals think through that passage for each of us. What is my old self to put off? Yeah. And and what is my new self (laughs) to put on? I mean, some of, there's some old self we can all put off, but some things are individual to us. Yes. Yes. I've been reading through the gospels and we just read the passage where Jesus says, and she also, um, in self to lose, I think it's self to lose, self to find. Um, okay. She she also uses that passage where Jesus says, "Whoever wants to lose his uh, find his life must lose it," and I, it's mm-hmm. the same kind of idea that you know I have to lose these things that I've been using to protect myself and provide for myself and really try to be my own savior 
in order to find what it really looks like for me to be a reflection of who he is in my true self. Yeah. It's a bit of a nuance that's so helpful for what Jesus said, because I think I've read that passage in the past and thought, I need to completely lose Samantha yeah. and become something else. Yeah. But the Enneagram helps me think about how I can lose the the unhealthy parts mm-hmm. of Samantha and find mm-hmm. the the parts that God really has me to grow into that are my truest self. Yeah, definitely. So I recently came across this quote, one knows oneself only at the price of one's innocence. Hmm. And you know, on your blog, you said what you were saying earlier, that the Enneagram is set apart from other tests because it doesn't just tell you what you do. Mm-hmm. It tells you why you do it. So how can we use the Enneagram for personal growth or in a ministry setting? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I'll answer it first, the personal growth. For me, it's been helpful. I would say four things. The first thing is growing in self-awareness. And for me, it's just been helpful to ask myself, you know, if, and Marilyn Vansel in, in Self to Lose, Self to Find talks about this in, toward one of the later chapters, just that willingness to stop and ask yourself, okay, what's going on in me right now? You know, if you have an interaction with someone and you think, okay, why did that response come out of me? And just to take that time and through the lens of the Enneagram, oftentimes I can name, gosh, I felt like uh, that person didn't think I was great in that moment. And we'll, we can talk about my type later, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, or I, I felt like I wasn't impressing them or I felt like I was failing, you know. So for me to, to stop and be more contemplative about my behavior and, and to see it through that lens has been helpful in identifying when I'm trying to get something from somebody else that really I should just be looking to God to give me. Um, the second thing that's been helpful is is the practice of confession, and and not just confession of sin, which um, the Enneagram definitely helps us see our sin more clearly, but I think just confession of in the sense of being honest. So I've found uh, so I'll I'll just share this. I'm an Enneagram three, and we want to succeed. So I can very easily try to impress people and try to show them my best. So for me, it's been helpful to even admit to people, you know what, right now I feel a really strong pull to try to get you to think I'm great, to try to get you to be impressed with me. And just speaking it out loud can often dissolve the power that it has over me. So just being honest about, yeah, I feel this pull in me right now. Um, I think the third thing is each number has a root fear and a root need that drives them. And I think in order for us to grow, we need to put ourselves in a place of vulnerability where we address our root fear and our root need. And we have to do that with God walking alongside of us. So for me, the more I, as a three, my root fear is that I'm not loved for who I am. So as I allow God to speak to that fear and really answer that, you know, and to let me know I am loved for who I am, it encourages me to move away from some of the more typical three strategies and um, just to be more expansive in my behavior. Um, Now I'm forgetting my fourth practice. Oh, I think it's just, (laughs) (laughs) 
I do remember my fourth one. Um, you know, if you, most Enneagram books have just great practical tips on here's some practices for you. So I've, I've gathered those along the way and try to make those practices in my life. So for example, as a three, a really good practice is just the practice of being rather than doing because we are ultimate doers. So to be able to just sometimes I've had to, in busier seasons, had to write in time into my schedule to just be like this, this half hour, I'm doing nothing, not just nothing. Um, so really being intentional about those practices that can be helpful for your type is important. Um, as far as in ministry, I, a lot of what I do right now is coaching women. And so of course I've made them all drink the Enneagram Kool-Aid and figure out what type they are because it's just helpful for me to understand them. Um, it helps It helps me know what questions to ask them. I think it, it can help you ask better questions. It can help you, you know, understand someone's motivation better. You don't want to put people in a box, but I think it, it helps you just understand where they're coming from. Right. So are these women that you're coaching, are, is that through LEAF? No, that is a remnant of my previous role. <laughs> um, no, I was previously on the digital strategies team, and I was coaching a number of women. So when I left the team, I said, well, I still love these women, and I want to spend time with them. So we've just continued those relationships. So do you plan on, or I guess what's your hope for how the Enneagram would become a part of LEAF or even the life of crew as a ministry? Yeah, I think my my greater desire beyond whether someone finds it through the Enneagram or something else, my desire would be that we would be willing to grow in self-awareness and to question our question our motives and our behaviors, to recognize that there are still ways that we're trying to save ourselves. And there's something that in The Road Back to You, um, the authors say, and I can't remember the exact quote because it's long, but basically they say, if we are unwilling to be aware of these behaviors and these things we do, they will become a prison. They will become things that we feel like we're compelled to do to make life work. So if we really want to live freely and to be free conduits of God's love and grace to others, we have to be willing to question our behavior. And, and see, where is this coming from a, an unhealthy place? Where is this coming from a place of sin and depravity? Um, so that's my hope, is that more and more we would live wholeheartedly and live freely. And the Enneagram is just one of, you know, one very helpful tool in that respect. So I'm wondering if knowing ourselves and others can help us with things like finding the right role fit within mm -hmm. crew or setting and evaluating goals. And just part of my own story, I've, I've never really felt like I'm a top performer in crew in terms of stats and things, or even in terms of dollars raised, you know, I was on the development team for the past four years and I've come to wonder if it, part of that is because I'm a four so I'm mm. a creative yeah. at heart. And as yeah. I've learned more about myself through tools like the Enneagram, it's helped funnel me into roles like this, mm -hmm. where God can really use the core of who I am for his glory within my role at Crew. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think that probably something like Finder is obviously maybe more helpful in directing with 
specific role fit. But I think it is helpful in understanding why you might get frustrated in certain situations. You know, like you said, being a creative in a, in a very non-creative place is really challenging. You could take any two numbers and say, you know, it might be hard if you're this number to work with this kind of number. Or I think it's more about relationship than it is about um, gifting necessarily. Um, I would say this, though. I do think that um, for fours and eights in particular, that um, there are some things that can be challenging about being in our organization. I don't think that we're great at making space for fours because, you know, we have a lot of goals and structure and um, we're always driving ahead and there's not a lot of, one of the things I appreciate about fours and fives is that they're very out of the box thinkers and they're very um, pioneering in their thinking and they just have a lot of creative insight that other people don't often have. And we're not great at making space for that. Um, so I can see, I can understand why it could be hard to find, to find space and crew, um, if you're one of those numbers. Yeah. This past summer, I know you did, you led a workshop or seminar on the Enneagram and a lot of my friends got to go to it. And while you were leading that, I happened to be spending time with a friend of mine who is a female and an eight. And I think you shared how it can be hard for women who are eights in ministry and word got Mm -hmm. back as soon as you said that. I can't remember who told me, but someone said, I just heard that if you're an eight in ministry (laughs) and a woman, it can be a challenge. And the friend I was with just felt (laughs) really understood, maybe for in a new way for the first time. And I thought Mm. that was really freeing for her to hear. Wow. Good. I've talked with a number of eights in crew. And, you know, eights are the challengers. They're strong leaders. And particularly for women who are eights, I think ministry in general can be a really challenging place because um, we we don't often, we want our leaders to be servants and humble and, you know, like gentle. And, you know, these leaders are strong and they're commanding and they're confident. And that's great. Um but I've I've said a lot of them have a lot of them have said to me I've had to I've had to sort of pull back on my gifting in order to really fit in. This is just some of the thoughts that are coming to mind. I, I'm just recognizing a lot of ways. Even as a three, for me, as a woman who is a three who is a mother, I've found it to be challenging in ministry because I'm very driven and ambitious, and it's been a challenge to look at other moms who are not threes. And, and feel like, gosh, what's wrong with me that I want so much to stay involved? And there's a healthy part of that, and then there's an unhealthy part of that. And I think, I think that's, for me, what's important is if I'm being drawn to a certain area or a certain role, is it coming from a healthy place or an unhealthy place? And I think the Enneagram can help us recognize that. I wonder, you've, you've touched yeah. on this a little bit, that there's a lot of eights in crew. What types are most commonly found among crew staff? Do you know besides eights? Um, you know, I've done the Enneagram for, um, I do that workshop for teams and where we actually know everyone's types. So we can talk about, okay, your team has these people on it. Here are the dynamics of that. It's been interesting because certain teams tend to have certain numbers. Um, like I've had teams, I had a team of 19 and almost all of them were twos, sixes, and nines. I mean, it was just uncanny. Um, but it made sense because they were an operations mm-hmm. team. 
I think the the number, and I've heard this said by the authors of The Road Back to You, that they say the most common number is a six, like anywhere in the world, not just in ministry. But I have found that to be fairly true. There are a lot of sixes at crew, particularly among the older staff, which makes sense because sixes are loyalists. And once they are committed to an organization, they will stay Mm -hmm. with it. So that totally makes sense. Um, it's funny though, because a lot of people assume, oh, you know, my husband is a vice president, so they're like, oh, are all of the vice presidents eights or threes? And they're really not. I, they cover almost every number. Uh, and I think the thing is, you know, any number can lead, they'll just lead differently. And that's what's encouraging to me is to look around and see. I, I do think there are su- a surprising number of nines in top level leadership. You wouldn't think so because nines, you know, they're so easygoing and peacemakers. They don't often seek out leadership, but I think that's actually what makes them well-suited for it because they're not power-hungry. They just they just want to serve, and they actually can deal with a great deal of chaos and um, stress without it really weighing them down. They also work really well with eights. So when you see that combination in top-level leadership, it's really a powerful combination. That makes sense about nines. And I I think it's in uh, Marilyn Vansel's book that she talks about how the nines are the backbone of the Enneagram. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so a nine would have elements of an eight and a one, but be such a peacemaker. Yeah. And so I could see how, mm-hmm. you know, eights and ones are both such, can be such strong leaders, how a nine would yeah. be able to work well with eights and ones and then have elements of that within mm-hmm. themselves. Yeah. So on your blog, Gina, you recommend the book, The Wisdom of the Enneagram. Yes, definitely. And you also, you write that your initial reaction to the Enneagram was, the, and I quote, this is a load of crap. You talked about that <laughs> earlier. <laughs> But I wanted to just, (laughs) I wanted to follow up and ask you, is that partially because the Enneagram is regarded by some as a new age resource? (laughs) No, that was entirely because I did not want to own my Enneagram type. (laughs) Um, Part of it was, and I think a lot of people have this experience, we're not used to thinking about our motivations. I can tell you what I do, but I can't tell you necessarily why I do it. And different numbers actually can have very similar behaviors, but they don't, they're obviously different numbers. You know, like twos and nines, they're, they both tend to be very servant-hearted people, but they have very different motivations. So when I read through the wisdom of the Enneagram the first time, I just felt like there were so many where I was like, well, that sounds like me. Well, that sounds like me too. Mm-hmm. And so it just felt like, how could this, I can't be all these numbers. But I, over time, I narrowed it down to three numbers. Um, and I just knew I didn't want to be a three, which is a very common experience. I mean, most people, it's like, it's, it is, they say it's the number you don't want to be because we recognize the depravity of that number, you know, and it's like, please let that not be true. So I had narrowed it down to one, three, and four. And I think I shared this on my blog post that I, I had friends who were telling me, we think, you know, we think you're a three and I didn't want to be a three because I just didn't want the depravity of a three to be true of me. 
and just, it was like someone had pulled back the curtain and was seeing mm-hmm. all my junk. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I've done such a, I've tried so hard to keep that covered up. So when I did finally realize that I was a three, I felt so exposed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really kind of terrifying. Um, but yeah, like I said in the post too, it took me it took me time to realize, you know what? Every number has depravity. I might as well own this this depravity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to have something. Um, but I've really come to to love that this is how God has made me, and and that's the truth for all of us. Is whatever number you are, it's what God intended for you. And he intends to redeem you in it. He intends for you to live out your true self. Um, So it's a good thing. But it can be hard to get there. Well, what do you think are the limitations of the Enneagram? Or maybe things that people need to be aware of to use it wisely? That's a great question. Um, I just was listening to an Enneagram podcast this morning. And he was just talking about how... The Enneagram doesn't stand alone. You know, the Enneagram doesn't tell me necessarily what I'm, what my strengths are. Um, it doesn't necessarily tell me yeah, everything I need to know. It's one piece of a, of a puzzle of who I am. And I think that's great because, you know, I'm an Enneagram 3 and I have friends who are 3s, but they have different gifts. They have different strengths. So they're going to live out their 3-ness very differently than I do. Uh, I would say... If you, if you Google the Enneagram, you'll find all kinds of weird stuff, which to me is just evidence that people are hungry. You know, I think we sense that there's something deeper. We need help at a deeper level. So I would say people often object and say, well, I don't want to look at the Enneagram because this faith or that faith uses it. And I just think just because, the, just because they're using it doesn't make the tool itself invalid. So I would say be cautious because, yeah, you can find all kinds of strange uses of the Enneagram. Um, I would say also, don't be quick to type other people. I, I did that early on, and it's presumptuous to think that I know what motivates you at a heart level. And surface behavior can't always, it's not always telling you what's really going on under the surface. So I find it's, it's helpful to ask that question, what's really behind this person's behavior? I want to understand it so I can really understand them. But people will ask me, what type do you think I am? And I might have a pretty clear idea what I think they are, but mm-hmm. I will not tell them. I, I might say, well, you might be this number. But it's really, it's not something that we want to just throw around. Because mm-hmm. to know someone's Enneagram is actually really to know what's most vulnerable for them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we should hold as a sacred trust. And so I would say also, when you do so know someone's type, um, I like to say we don't want to weaponize the Enneagram. We don't want to use it as a way to condemn someone or to make fun of them. Um, you know, I have friends and we joke about our types, but, but we also want to use that as a way to extend grace and compassion to each other. So how do you direct someone if they're wanting to figure out what their Enneagram type is? Do you, I know there's different schools of thought. Some people say you should take a test and some people say, no, you should just read all the types and see which one resonates. What, how do you coach people? Well, people really want to have a quick test they can take. And the tests are not, they're not conclusive by any means. So I would say if you want to take a test, the Enneagram Institute website has a, a longer test you can take. It's I think it's twelve dollars, 
But I would say even with that, take it with a grain of salt because I've had people take that test and then end up being a number that wasn't even one of their top numbers. So it's it can give you an idea of what you might be, but I, I agree that really the most helpful way is to is to read through the Enneagram. You can go on that website and you can read each type there. You can get, I recommend The Road Back to You or Self to Lose, Self to Find. Those are both shorter books that give a really quick Christian perspective on the Enneagram. But then I think you know, if you think, like I said, it's it's the number that makes you cringe a little bit and say, can I be a different number? But take that, what you think is your result, to people who know you well and ask them, does this sound like me? And be honest with me. I'm, I, that was how I figured out I was a three was because I was talking about it with a friend and she really helped me clarify, yeah, this really sounds like you. Yeah, but if it's the number, if you find a number and you're like, this is great, I love this, it's probably not your number. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say this too, a lot of um, people, especially women, especially Christian women, read the description of a two and decide that they're a two. And unless the, every, every two that I know is like, but well, maybe I'm a six or maybe I'm a three. Like they want to be any other number. So if you read mm-hmm. the description of a two and you're like, this is awesome, I sound like <laughs> Jesus, then you're not a two. Um, it's just that, you know, the twos are the helpers. And so... They're meant. They're very servant-hearted. They're very sacrificial, and that's mm-hmm. what we're expected to be in in Christianity. That's you know part of following Christ. But unless you're doing it from a, a deep need to be liked and needed because you feel worthless apart from that, then you're not a two. Gina, this has been so helpful. Are there any other Enneagram resources that you could point us to on your blog or somewhere else? Well. If you go to ginabutz.com slash Enneagram, you'll see the notes from my workshop from last summer. There is a quick Enneagram reference guide on there that just, I would say, don't decide what your type is based on that because it's just a bare bones, but it could give you an idea of maybe which types you'd like to read more about. So I can't remember the exact URL, so maybe we can look it up. But I know if you go to the staff web, go to Crew 17, they still have a lot of the audio up, and you can download that and listen to it. So that goes into a lot of detail about the specific types. And I've had so many people come up to me and tell me how helpful it's been for them. And that's just encouraging to me because that's what I want it to be. I want it to be a helpful tool Mm -hmm. that... For me, it's been helpful in my in my marriage, in my parenting, in how I work with my teammates. So I'm just really thankful for it. Well, thanks so much for your time, Gina. We look forward to yeah. more Enneagram and other leadership <laughs> tools and information from you. Thank you. 